strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, We want to get as many voices as we can on the air. Statewide races are heating up. The governor's race is one of those races. We've talked to a lot of the candidates and joining us right now is state treasurer and treasurer and gubernatorial candidate Kimberly Yee. Um, Thanks for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you again. Oh, good morning, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Let's start off with, since it's the first time a lot of the audience is hearing you for the first time here, let's talk about some of the key issues in Arizona. Give me a couple of what you think are the biggest issues Arizona will face after this next after next year's race. Absolutely. Well, first of all, the reason why I'm running for governor, I'm a proven conservative Republican with a strong record protecting pro-life laws, our Second Amendment, border security, law enforcement, and stronger election laws. I've been in the state legislature. I served as the Republican majority leader. And I'm also, in my private life, a small business owner. And I come from a long line of small business owners, starting from my grandfather, who opened his little grocery store in the 1930s here in Arizona. It was called New State Market on the corner of 7th Avenue and Buckeye Road in South Phoenix. And so coming from the business background, coming from you know the legislative experience, I have the proven conservative record to take a look at these key issues. Border security is top uh, of the uh, law and order has been taken away by those who want to defund the police. And, and you know, I send my thoughts and prayers to Phoenix Police Officer Tyler Moldovan and his family. These are incidences that are happening far too often across our state and our country. And we need to support our law enforcement community, especially during these times. We, we have to secure. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I want to let you finish. You know, we have to secure our border. And it's interesting because as I, I go around the state and I talk to various business owners. And there was a small group of small women business owners in North Scottsdale. And in a normal environment of a campaign cycle, you would think they would say their top issues would be, um, uh, you know, education or workforce development. But their top issue was border security and law enforcement because they do not feel safe to open their mom and pop shops in the middle of Scottsdale because of our lack of security on our southern border. So we've got to do that. Our economy is at stake, as you spoke earlier about inflation and the Biden, you know, inflation environment. This is a crisis that's going to be hitting the pocketbooks of everyday Americans. So we can, we have to elect somebody who understands public budgeting. I've spent my entire career, you know, managing public budgets and our economy is actually very strong in Arizona. As I came into the state treasurer's office, we had $15.4 billion in assets under management. Today, we're at $26 billion in assets. That's a 60% increase in the middle of the pandemic. And as we look at our economy and as we look to fight back against the Biden administration and their socialist policies, we have to have somebody who understands how to manage money and protect the pocketbooks of everyday Americans. Uh, there's so much more. I mean, we've got to... Right stop big government mandates like the, you know, um, the Biden um, uh, attack on medical freedom and vaccine mandates. We have to protect election integrity. There's so much to do, especially in our classrooms in Arizona and education freedom and allowing parents to make those key decisions and their parent rights need to be right at the heart of this discussion. So let me go back to one of the things you mentioned was the border. Recently, the governor uh, reallocated assets from the National Guard and from DPS to help the local communities. There's only so much a governor can do. Did you agree with that move by the governor? And uh, what would you have done differently or what do you think additionally can be done? 
Absolutely. It was a good move on the part of a governor who understands that we need to secure this border now. It is not being done, as we know, by the Biden administration. The Biden administration, in fact, is spending tax dollars, $450,000 per illegal immigrant to reunite them with another illegal immigrant um, who's a family member in another part of the country. These are our personal tax dollars. And this is in contrast to the thousands of veterans who faithfully have served our country. My dad is a U.S. Army veteran. They're homeless and on the streets. But Biden is using tax dollars to give to illegal immigrants. We've got to finish the wall. I've been to the Yuma border. And it's very clear that when the Trump administration, you know, was working so hard to finish that wall and the day he left office, it stopped. And all of these illegal immigrants are coming across and there is sex trafficking. There are crimes. There are drugs coming across. We've got to create a a wall that will prevent all of these illegals from coming over. It's a security issue, but it's also an economic issue, as you know, because as these illegals are coming into the state and across the country, we as Americans, hardworking Americans are paying and putting the bill for those who are not, um, you know, putting into the system. And it's, it's just all about freebies. The Biden administration is out of control. And the Democrats in this country are radicals. And they don't even feel this is a crisis. They don't even visit the border. Um, and that is really what is at stake in this Arizona governor's race, is that we need to continue the fight, um, you know, putting border security at the heart of this discussion. And the economy, as you know, every single day we see uh, that the Biden administration is uh, – spending like there is, you know, money growing off the trees. It's it's our hardworking money. And, you know, I've been fighting the Biden administration as the state treasurer, opposing big government overreach. Um, the U.S. comptroller, who's in charge of all banks, was uh, educated in the Soviet Union. And I fought against that nomination. And they turned around that uh, crazy communist um, nominee, thankfully, Um, I've been fighting woke corporations in America, like Ben and Jerry's. They don't stand for American values. And recently, in the summer, they said they were going to boycott Israel. Israel is a longtime American ally and friend. I believed that their boycott of Israel was discriminatory, anti-Semitic, and it was wrong. So I divested all of Arizona's funds from the treasurer's office, $143 million dollars. and I divested it from Ben and Jerry's, which is Unilever's uh, parent company. And of many, many states followed. It was a national movement, uh, New Jersey, Texas, Florida, uh, and uh, New York even followed. And they have divested millions of their public dollars to show woke corporations that we have to hold them accountable. And again, I'm a proven conservative. I have served in the state legislature. I served as Republican majority leader. And I'm just a longtime advocate for the simple principles of our American values. And and I, I want to I continue that effort as governor, and that's the reason why I'm running and I'm going across the state to share my vision for Arizona. Uh, state Treasurer Kimberly Yee is joining us. She's gubernatorial candidate. If people want to learn about your campaign, if they want to either contribute or become a part of it or just learn more about your positions, where can they find you online and on social media? Yes, I'm at KimberlyYee.com. And I'm also at KimberlyYeeAZ on Twitter and on Facebook. And I would love to uh, have people uh, contact my campaign and join our effort. Well, I appreciate the time with you. And I know in the next year, I hope you can come on as many times as possible so people can get a better sense of where you stand on issues. But I appreciate it now and I hope you have a Merry Christmas. 
Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, Mike. All right, that's Kimberly. Uh, she is the current state treasurer. She's already won a statewide race as the state treasurer, obviously. So she's been in a statewide race before, which is important when you're running for an office like this. And uh, if you want to learn more about her, check her out online because we want educated voters. In a moment, we talk crime and punishment. The Pima County attorney is not going to prosecute uh, possession cases, drug possession cases, because of COVID-19. Is that a smart way to go? We'll do that coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap sleeping whom I love this Christmas song. This is Third Day from their album called Third Day Christmas Offerings. A Merry Christmas from the Mike Broomhead Show. Listen to this guy's voice. It kills me. Uh, Mac Powell, lead singer of Third Day. If you want to get the best Christmas album I've ever gotten in my life, it is called Christmas Offerings by Third Day. It, it, the guy's got an incredible voice, and many of you who know Christian music know it. They're just the best. So uh, Merry Christmas from the Mike Broomhead Show. Um, we're going to be talking with Plea President Britt London in a few moments about a fundraiser for Officer Maldivan and his family. So we'll get to that uh, in a few moments. But I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in our country, some of the things we're seeing. In recent days, we've had on the DPS director, we've had on um, members, we had the mayor of Yuma, we've had a supervisor from uh, Yuma County, and every single one of them have talked about the huge uprising of the use of fentanyl and methamphetamines and the deaths and the mayhem that this is causing our society. That there is, yes, it is a border issue. Um, In two days, when they reallocated some uh, DPS assets, to different parts of Yuma County and the border there. They didn't want to say exactly where. In two days, they interdicted almost 300 pounds of methamphetamine. So that's the backdrop for where I'm going to start with this. In um, in Tucson, the Pima County attorney, Laura Conover, says she will not prosecute people for simple drug possession because of pandemic-related risks. Now, I will tell you that I am a big proponent of of diversion programs when it comes to drugs and alcohol, when it comes to addiction, I think you treat it like a medical issue, but you interdict, you 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 intervene, that there is a time for intervention. And when you are arrested for possession of illegal substances, to not prosecute, to leave those things to fester, we are going to see more and more people dying. Um, so this isn't a COVID-19 story, so to speak, from my perspective. This is about, A, the rule of law and what ends up happening here. And it can be good people. Again, I'm, I, know, I know very good people that have gone down the road of addiction. Um, and uh, I'm proud to tell you that a, a few of these people, uh, and I'm thinking of one in particular, and I don't want to, um, it, it's, a, it's a, a, a woman I know that I've known since she was a child. And... Um, she has taken what was her addiction and turned it around 
to helping so many other people with addictions and showing them how you can come back from a dark place and be not just healthy, but to be a contributor to society. And I'm so proud of her. Um, And this family I've been so close with for over 20 years and to see kids go astray is tough because I'm friends with the parents but to watch her come back so strong. So I am not someone that believes that when you go down this road, you stay down this road. But if someone doesn't intervene, they also sometimes become criminals that they are stealing or they are doing criminal, committing criminal acts in order to feed their drug and alcohol habit, which again, now they're a detriment to society. So talking about the criminal behavior, it has to be addressed. It has to be punished. I understand risks with COVID-19. I understand that agencies across the state of Arizona adjusted giving people summonses instead of arrests because and then they were doing virtual court dates and doing other things to stop the spread of COVID-19. I understand that. But when you're talking about southern Arizona and it's happening everywhere, but southern Arizona is where they are entering the state. We are seeing overdose deaths because of fentanyl, because it's such a deadly drug that fentanyl once it's um, in its tiniest form, because, again, these are not pharmacists that are putting these drugs together. These are drug dealers that are doing this. And there's a lot of times it is such a dangerous drug that just a little bit too much is deadly. And we're hearing parents that are just imploring and saying, make sure your kids know about this. Stay away from it because my child died. Parents are just reaching out after the tragedy strikes their family. So starting there, it doesn't make any sense to me that you wouldn't be punishing people. And that form of punishment a lot of times is the step toward recovery. There should be intervention. There should be opportunity for people to climb out of that dark place. And we've seen a lot of success with people that do it. But not addressing it is letting it fester. And we all understand addiction. The longer you're in it, the more you do, the more likely you are to never come back, the more likely you are to seriously damage your health or die. And that's something we should not be seeing. Uh, I want you to hear the San Francisco mayor. This is the mayor of San Francisco, California. What a difference a year makes. It's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the that has destroyed our city. What I'm proposing today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't care. At the end of the day, the safety of the people of San Francisco is the most important thing to me. And we are past the point where what we see is even remotely acceptable. That's the mayor of San Francisco, California. (laughs) denouncing criminal activity and asking for more aggressive policing. Now, are we uh, people make mistakes? How many times in your life? I'm one of them that told everybody, hey, I'll pay for my own mistakes. And I did. I was one of the people that stood up and said I was wrong. I, I paid my speeding tickets. I did all the, you know, beating my head against the wall until I figured out it hurt. I didn't make somebody else pay for my mistakes. I paid for my mistakes. 
But I should have been smart and learned from the people that were giving me advice so that I didn't continue to make the same mistakes. Well, Phoenix being a relatively young major city, we've watched the majority of growth here happen in the last 25 years. Why are we not looking at other places and the things that they've done? And when they turn out to be mistakes, don't make them. Instead... We are now going down the road of defunding the police. We now have an office of accountability that has standing in the city of Phoenix and a voice officially in the city of Phoenix that doesn't employ anybody that's ever been involved in law enforcement. So are we going to have to get to where we're seeing cities like San Francisco get to high crime rates, the homeless people? Uh, that are taking over the streets and are taking over businesses and committing crimes to a point where the mayor now does a 180 and is saying we need more aggressive policing. Why don't we learn ahead of time? Why isn't our mayor, why hasn't our mayor made a statement about the the shooting of this police officer and the the heinous act that was emptying a gun on a cop that was already shot and laying on the ground? Is it going to take crime-ridden city of Phoenix to make this turnaround? And I hope we aren't. I hope it doesn't. What we're going to do is tomorrow there is a fundraiser for uh, Officer Maldivan's family. And plea, the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association is hosting it. In a moment, we're going to talk with Britt London from the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. We're going to get an update as much as we can on the officer's condition and the family's condition. And we're going to give you an opportunity if you'd like to contribute. We'll tell you how you can do that. That's all coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us. As most of you know, earlier this week, uh, Officer uh, Tyler Maldivan was gunned down in the line of duty. Uh, He's 22 years old. He is clinging to life, although the situation is very dire. They have released the information he's on life support, not expected to survive, He's got a family, he's got siblings, he's got parents, he's got a young wife. And um, when things like this happen, the first thing the community says is, what can we do? What is there? What? And the family asked for prayers. And I hope that people are continuing to do that. If you would like to be able to help this family, there is something great that's happening tomorrow. Phoenix Law Enforcement Association is having a fundraiser. They do this way too often, um, quite honestly. But uh, I want you to hear more about what they're doing and how they're doing it from their president, uh, Britt London. Britt, I know that this is such a sad thing for your organization to have to do time and time again, and I know it never gets easier. But can you explain what's happening tomorrow and the times so people can come down and donate? Yes, thanks, Mike. So we're holding a fundraiser, and it will be at the plea office at 1102 West Adams Street, and it will be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, we will be serving uh, some food, hamburgers and hot dogs. Um, and like you said, the community always reaches out and asks what they can do. And we, we don't know what's going to happen with Tyler, but what we do know is that his family is going to need some support. You know, he was uh, newly married, um, very young. So um, if you're so inclined, you can stop by the office tomorrow, uh, make a, a donation and get something to eat. And what's good about these events is that, is that uh, it, it doesn't just provide assistance to the family, but it provides an opportunity for the community and their officers to interact 
um, and do something for these families that have to deal with these situations. Yeah, for anyone that's never attended one of these and never been to them before at the plea office. Now, and everybody, most people know, but if you take 7th Avenue south or north, but 7th Avenue and go west on Adams, you cannot miss the plea office. But for these events, the outpouring of support from other agencies, both fire and police from all over the state, it's amazing to see that kind of support. But it also has to do the law enforcement community's hearts good to see the outpouring of support from civilians that show up as well. Yeah, it it really does. And and we we know that our community supports us. Um, And, you know, it, it, we we just don't always get those chances to interact uh, in a positive way with the community. Um, But this, this is a situation again, where um, we we need uh, all the positivity and prayers we can get. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see a lot of tomorrow uh, from our community. And the other thing is a lot of times people don't have time during their busy day to stop and eat, but they still want to contribute. So you usually have people out in the street that can just take like drive-by donations. If people just want to drop by real quick and just drop something off, they can do that as well, right? Yes, sir. Sure can. Um, you can also go to uh, our charities website. It's pleacharities.org. Uh, once you get on the page, there's a yellow button in the top right corner. Uh, it says donate. You can hit that and it'll take you to a page. All you have to do, there's a drop down menu for officer support. Uh, just type in Tyler Moldovan and um, whatever amount uh, that you would like to donate. And 100 uh, percent of that of your donation will go to his family. And that's the other part of this is um, you, the plea charities, gives 100 percent of what's raised tomorrow is going to go to to Tyler's family. Yes, yes, that's it. If there's uh, any ancillary costs or whatever, uh, the plea membership picks that up to ensure that 100 uh, percent of your donation goes to the family. What um, you've done this so many times, and I know it's way too many, but um, it means a lot. Normally, it means a lot to the families to see the outpouring of support. The dollar amount is one thing, and it's so helpful so that they can just grieve and not worry about money. But it is more about, I think, emotionally feeling the support of the community that went out of their way to do something. It is an embrace they kind of need right now, right? Oh, it definitely is. Uh, you know, it's hard to articulate the feelings of uh, family members that go through something like this. When their loved one puts on that uniform and goes out and protects their city uh, day and night, um, it's something that um, shows them that uh, their their loved one wasn't doing, wasn't just spinning their wheels, wasn't doing it in vain. So it does mean something when the community shows up and uh, offers support. Britt, I appreciate you doing this once again and all of the all the guys down at Plea doing this once again. I hate that you have to do it, but I you guys do it so well, and I hope it's a huge turnout tomorrow. Thanks, Mike. We do too. All right, thanks. That's Britt London. He is the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. If you want to donate online, again, go to pleacharities.com, and from that webpage, there's a drop-down menu. You can donate directly to the family. Um what happened to Tyler is is a, a, a too common occurrence, and I've been to far too many um, funerals of law enforcement officers, um, and it is something that it, it makes all of us kind of hurt inside. Um, his family right now has got such a combination of emotions, and the overwhelming one of those is loss, even though Tyler is still with them. It's not the same, and and they are watching someone that was so young and had so much ahead of him 
uh, in all, you know, changed. And, um, you know, I, I we all pray for the best. The family themselves said the outlook is, is grim, but they're praying for a miracle. What we are able to do in some way, shape, or form is is an embrace. And I, I it may sound a little silly, but when my family went through it and my brother was killed in Iraq, uh, I can tell you that the only way I can I've explained it in public is we felt the embrace of the nation. That there were people that we didn't even know that came to us and said, thank you for your service. Thank you for your son's service to my mom. And that means the world to us, that people recognize that huge sacrifice. They don't feel the loss the same way we do, but they recognize the sacrifice. There is something healing in that. There's not, maybe not healing, but comforting in that for people. If there is any way that you are able to contribute but especially if you can go there tomorrow and let law enforcement, the first responder community, see that you are actually, you know, in this busy time of year, make an appearance. I think it would be something that would be a fantastic showing and a fantastic, fantastic gesture. It's from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow. It is at the plea office at 11th Avenue in Adams. Again, it's west of 7th Avenue. Um, Adams Street is between, you know, south of Van Buren. And uh, it's just something I think the community can come together and it's a way for you to show your support. So I hope it's a huge turnout. I'm going to go down there myself at some point tomorrow in the afternoon and I want to see everyone. I hope I can meet some of you there in a moment. Um, uh, unbelievable. You want to know why people are are ro- rolling their eyes at some of the things with COVID-19? The National Institute of Health director name is Francis Collins. He's leaving the office. What he did on the way out of that office was so ridiculous. You have to hear it to believe it. And you're going to hear it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here. The Omicron virus, or a variant of the virus, is spreading very quickly. I've got some headlines I'm going to read to you in a moment. But let me explain to you, for those of you that are diehards when it comes to this this virus of forced vaccinations and follow the science and all of that, as long as the science suits you, follow the science, um, where people are in this country and what they think of the leadership. Now, the National Institute of Health director or outgoing director, Francis Collins, Francis Collins leaving that office. This is Dr. Fauci's boss, just so you kind of understand who Dr. Co- who Dr. Collins is. Dr. Collins is leaving the office. So what do you do in the middle of a pandemic when you are leaving the office and you want to leave a lasting impression on the American people on the seriousness of COVID-19? Well, I can let you hear for a moment what you don't do. Somewhere past the pandemic when we're free. There's a life I remember full of activity. That's Dr. Collins serenading America. Somewhere past the pandemic, masks will come off. No more need for a nose swab every time we cough. 
Oh no, this is hysterical. This As is a hit. We are gathered this is almost today. this is gonna be a hit like Let's Go Brandon. Keep that play bring it down a little bit, but keep it playing. I wanna keep this playing. Phoenix approves bonuses for up to $2,000 for vaccinated city workers. J.J. Uh, Abrams School sued for COVID vaccine mandate. Even chaplains were denied Air Force Reserve refusing religious exemptions for COVID-19 vaccines. Armed forces begin discharging members, members for refusing the vaccine. California medics refused to enter a care center to help a man in cardiac arrest due to COVID-19 laws. And there's Dr. Collins. Are you embarrassed for him? Do you guys get embarrassed for other people? See, I don't get embarrassed for myself. It's why I've never been afraid of public speaking. I love public speaking. But I don't go to karaoke for this reason. Um, Because I get embarrassed not for myself, but I get embarrassed for other people. You know, there's always the drunk girl at karaoke that cries when she sings to her best friend. You know, that kind of stuff. I want the crescendo. I want you to hear the end here. Thank you, Dr. Collins. Thank you, Dr. Collins. By the way, during that video, just so everyone could enjoy that song, they had the picture-in-picture, you know, they had the the closed caption box, whatever whatever it's called, the picture-in-picture. There was a woman signing that song so that the hearing impaired could also enjoy that, uh, that, that parody song on Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So that's where we are with COVID-19. You want to know why people aren't taking this seriously that are left, that are not, that are saying it's the flu or I, I'm not saying that's me. You want to know why people are not taking Fauci seriously or it's the rules and the way the rules seem to be scattered everywhere without any cohesiveness. And it's also the fact that the outgoing director of the National Institute for Health stood up and serenaded the people at this town hall that was going on, played a guitar, and he actually either did it himself or had somebody rewrite the lyrics to Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and we're supposed to take this guy seriously. That was embarrassing. Again, I don't get embarrassed for me. I get embarrassed for other people. That was embarrassing. We should play that every day. I think we should do it every day for a week. Just to remind everyone, this is how seriously the National Institute for Health is taking this. And I'm not the only one. This says, I'm going to read the headline. Outgoing NIH Director Francis Collins raises eyebrows singing about post-pandemic life. <laughs> he raised eyebrows. People were covering their ears and running and saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't. Stop it. That was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. And that's where you, you see people questioning the seriousness of what's happening. It's the the rules that apply to some and don't apply to others, which I have stories about that, where you've got schools that are saying you have to be uh, vaccinated to come in here unless, of course, you're an illegal immigrant and then you don't have to. And in California, they're implementing a mask mandate once again, but it's exempt in Calif- in uh, Northern California and parts of San Francisco. Uh, those are the kinds of things that make people crazy. But so does something like that.
So you're welcome. Merry Christmas on the Mike Broomhead Show. You can probably get that free online uh, as a Christmas gift if you'd like to give it to someone. What we're going to do in in uh, in just a few moments, just after 10 o'clock, we're going to go back to the economy. Jobless claims. We're going to talk about the jobless claims are up a little bit nationally. But where is Arizona and its economy? We'll talk about that as well.